This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 410 of the Dressage Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. Well, hello, everybody. Glenn the Geek here. Reese and Philip are off to Omaha, Nebraska right now for the World Cup. You will hear from them in just a minute as they did a live report from Omaha for the Horses in the Morning Friday episode. Plus, we go back into the archives to bring you a Total Saddle Fit trainer's tip. Here is Reese and Philip's appearance on Horses in the Morning from the World Cup after day one. Well, we're going to head off in a little different direction right now. We are going to the World Cup in Omaha, Nebraska. Reese and Philip are there covering it for the Horse Radio Network. More having a good time, I think. Good morning, guys. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. It's good to talk to <laughs> both morning, of you. <laughs> now you're there. Cover, have you? Ha- no, we never we never make it on the morning show, do we? No, maybe no, we never we time. never get to get on the morning show. It's quite fun. We've been banned up until now. Yeah, that's right. We haven't let yeah. you come on. Yeah. <laughs> so now you guys are out there. The World Cup uh, over out there has both dressage and jumping. And when did you arrive? Yes, we both uh, got in Wednesday night. Okay, so, cool. Um, to a rainy, cold Omaha, Nebraska. Um, I'm not sure it's actually sunny here, ever. Reese and Philip, I got to tell you that when I think world-class dressage and world-class jumping, I immediately think Omaha. Not. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> you and everyone else. What yeah. is going on? We actually... Yeah, we said the same thing, didn't we, Phil? Like it, we definitely well, yeah, were were time. surprised. Yeah, at the time when they when they everybody was, everyone said, "Are you kidding me? We cannot believe we're going to Omaha, Nebraska." But I will tell you, it, it's been great. The venue is fantastic. The people in the town, everybody knows the horse people are here, and they've really embraced. You can get free shuttles around the town. You can, I mean, it's been, it's been way exceeded our expectations. Wouldn't you say so? Yeah. I mean, from the moment, actually, I stepped on the plane, I had to fly Toronto to Detroit and Detroit to Omaha. Um, you know, I was sitting to a lady who said, oh, are you going home? I said, no, my home's not in Omaha. She said, oh, are you coming to the to the horse show in, in, in Omaha? I said, yeah, that's what we're here for. She's like, oh, we're just so, everybody's just so glad that we're here. And have been just so welcoming and just have, you know, oh, you should see this. You should go here. You should, you know, I mean, restaurant recommendations and everything. So I think that's been uh, one of the best things is just the welcoming atmosphere. And, you know, we've been to Las Vegas and it was really fun. But at Las Vegas, you're just another person there for another event. This is really, you know, special because everybody's so happy that we're here. And so it kind of feels, I've, I've joked that it's the best place outside of Canada for welcoming people yeah. there. So that's uh, pretty fun. Because <laughs> they're so nice. Bill's, Bill's right at home. <laughs> they're very nice and yeah. very, you know, just very welcoming. And um, the venue is fantastic. Um, a lot of times in World Cups, you know, it's in downtown Stockholm, Sweden last year. And the horses ha- literally live in the parking garages and have to go up ramps and all kinds of things. And here, um, the venue's all one level. Um, and they have, you know, the stabling is separate, but the main warm up ring is literally in the middle of the trade fair. 
So you can be sitting having your coffee and watch Isabel there warm up because they have to come out into that warm up ring. And then they walk right into the main Century Link Center, which is a beautiful center, um, really comfortable, really convenient. Um, I, I was I was shocked to see it. And uh, the other thing that's been interesting, yeah, yeah, sorry, is they brought a bunch of kids in. Philip loved that yesterday. (laughs) 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 They they bought schools. Buses and there's kinds of kids, you know, experiencing the the. They have a lot of, you know, Pony Club has a lot of things. There's a lot of things set up. The you know, kid friendly experience, and they're you know around the horses and. you know, you just see kind of the awe in their eyes, and it's just wonderful to see. So, I mean, yeah, so many parts of this is great, and um, I think all the riders have said how horse-friendly the venue is, and and you know, and hospitable that way for the horses as well. And like we said, I mean, it's an indoor show, you know, always. So that's not always the case. So it's been really nice that way. I think. Well, it, you know, it is a it is a venue that's set up for horses. It just wasn't the kind with the English saddles before. So, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, so did the competition start yesterday? Yes. So the competition was yesterday, and um, Isabel Vert won it with an eighty-two percent, and she's uh, you know the most decorated dressage athlete ever of all time. And to watch her go in and, and ride is just. Uh, it's unbelievable. The girl doesn't make mistakes. She and she even admitted in the press conference she made one mistake, which is, you know, she's like it was my fault in the two time changes. Um, she said she went in and, and got her changes started and sort of forgot to get her to ride or count, uh, which Keep all dressage riders can <laughs> Robert can get. Like we're all like, oh, Isabel Barrett does that too. That's awesome. Uh, but she had a, a really phenomenal Piazza massage tour, and then Laura Graves was second. And Laura really kept it together, didn't she, Phil? I mean, that horse is electric, and especially in the Ooh. indoor atmosphere. And, I mean, he was, you know, piaffing and massaging for his, you know, for his life. And I, and I said, well, I said to Reese, you know, she's got to, you know, hold, contain it a little bit because there's a freestyle coming tomorrow. So, um, yeah, she made a couple of little bubbles that cost her quite a few points, and she was second with a 79. But, uh it's it's close competition. It's going to be tight for uh, for the World Cup champion coming Saturday evening. Well, I'm so excited to hear that Laura Graves is right in yeah. there. I mean, in second place, that's that's yeah. really especially behind you know the the leader of the dressage world ever. So uh, that's not too shabby, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, oh, and they're shabby, great. Yeah. You know, yeah, they're lovely. You know, we, we went to the press conference and, you know, they're just lovely people and lovely to be around and, and listen to them talk and listen to their relationship with their horse. And Carl Hester was third uh, and on a, on a younger mount for him. Uh, he took him to the Olympics, but that horse can be very spooky. And he said, you know, his goal was to go in and, and make it just a really good, um, just a good Grand Prix, just a good go. Nothing super spectacular. Yeah, it's a so solid ride. Is, yeah, and, yeah. And a quiet ride. Yeah. Has the uh, so you'll have freestyle freestyle be today then tomorrow tomorrow so today okay. is actually Isabel yeah is Isabel Barrett's doing a whole demonstration uh, with some they brought in some very good horses for her to work with uh, and that's this afternoon and uh, anybody that's out here we're doing our listener meetup at two o'clock uh, Phil picked the spot the tailgate center uh, there's a tailgating area <laughs> the right tailgate by. Lounge, yeah. Tailgate Lounge, that's what it's called. 
So Phil so we'll picked a spot that has alcohol, is what you're saying, at 2 o'clock. Yes. Because <laughs> <laughs> it is after, it's, it's afternoon, 2 o'clock's afternoon, right? It's afternoon, yeah. yeah absolutely. <laughs> so where is absolutely. it again? So that's our plan. Uh, it's in the tailgate lounge by the, there's a big, the tailgate lounge, um, there's the vendors, food vendors and, and drinks right there. So you don't just have to drink alcohol or have a beverage, but we'd love to see you guys, uh, anybody who's out here. Okay. Sounds terrific. And have you seen any of the jumping at all? Has that started? That was, it started last night and actually we had been at the venue all day, so we did not stay for the jumping, uh, but we'll probably stay tomorrow night to see the jumping. That would be lots of fun. Yeah. Listen to those dressage snobs. Oh, we didn't have time. <laughs> we didn't. Uh, we jumping. didn't have the energy to we watch it tired. jumping. Were were them out? Were them out? Well, thank you guys for calling in. We really appreciate it. Have fun the rest of the weekend out there. She had waited all her life for this moment, dreaming about it since she was ten years old. The trailer ramp touched the ground. He whinnied as she backed him out, swinging his head around to get a good look at his new home. His coat gleamed in the sun. Her love had arrived. She was breathless. He was beautiful. She could hardly wait to tack him up and start off on what she was sure would be the best times of her life. This love story is brought to you by Contribute, providing essential omega-3 fatty acids that help maintain low inflammation levels throughout your horse's body. The horse that matters to you matters to Kentucky Performance Products. Call 859-873-2974 or visit kppusa.com to order today. This week's dressage training tip is brought to you by Total Saddle Fit, home of the shoulder relief girth at totalsaddlefit.com. Okay, guys. So in honor of David Letterman, which I hear some mixed reviews on who likes David Letterman, but I love David Letterman. And in honor of Dave Letterman's retirement, Hillary Moore Hebert from the contributing editor of Dressage Today is here with her top 10 tips. Hillary, welcome to the show. Hi, guys. I so like this I, idea. I, I love like this idea. idea. <laughs> We're going to have to and keep I'll track admit- of the top 10. I don't watch David Letterman, but it's because I am either in bed way too early yeah, or early. I am yeah. out at the barn helping with some medical emergency. Yeah. Yeah. All of which we have. Yes. That's me. Me. I used to watch David Letterman in college, but you know, that was a couple months ago. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I love okay, David the Letterman. Number one tip is Reese has been out of college for more than a couple months. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's Yes, I have, unfortunately. Now, now, yes. I'm not going to, I'm going to tell everybody this story because you'll, you'll love this. We're sitting and we're chatting about bronze medals and that kind of stuff. And one of my students comes in and goes, oh my God, you got your bronze medal the, the year I was born. And I was like, <laughs> really? Oh, oh. You need to tell Did you me make that. Her leave? Did you make yeah. her leave? I was like, I should have made her drop and give me push-ups or something. Yeah. I was like, get out. <laughs> <laughs> Run a lap. Run a lap or something. It was so mean. So, yes. Yeah, so, I, I'm a little sensitive to that topic this week. So, we've all been there. So, uh, so anyways, Hillary, what is your first tip of our top 10 tips, tra- favorite trading tips? 
Okay, so um, because I don't really know, it go, is it a countdown? So I start with number 10, right? Okay, yeah, I'm going to either way. <laughs> yes, okay, starting so with 10. I am obsessed with biomechanics. So my first couple of tips relate to that, and they are essential to know. The first thing for the first tip is the canter is an asymmetrical gait because the horse always has a leading leg and flexion on the same side. As a result, canter work is another situation in which there's always an inside that naturally carries more weight and an outside that needs to be engaged in order to balance the horse. That's yeah. a good tip. That's, that's a, a good really tip. good tip. That that's I you, think, you know that so that you don't when your horse is cantering you don't make motorcycle turns. You have to support the outside and get a get that that side going as well. Yes. So that the outside hind leg. Um, has to move forward more because in terms of the, you know, um, footfall, it's starting with that outside hind leg. And I think that that's extremely important to remember because if you know that that's the case, every single time you're riding any movement in cancer, you can say to yourself, okay, what is that outside hind doing? And what, how do I need to think of this? And always remembering it's an asymmetrical gait because of that. It's not. It's naturally trailing way behind the horse. So if you can get that outside a little bit underneath the horse, you're going to be a you know a lot better balanced to be doing anything in canter. Mm-hmm. Awesome. awesome! That's a great tip. tip. Love it. Number nine. So, yeah. What's the next number nine? Okay. So number nine, the trot. However, and by the way, these are from the um, Half Halt Simplified with Huberta Schmidt, one of the articles that we have um, in the magazine. Um, so the trot, however, is a symmetrical gait so that when your horse is trotting on the straight lines, you want both hind legs to push the same. And when you want to collect, you want both hind legs to carry the same weight. So whereas the canter is asymmetrical, you know, taking that outside hind first, the trot is the diagonal pairs. And so when you're thinking about that, it's always related to, um, you know, how to kind of get things connected evenly behind. I just have a shout out to Penny. Was that Penny giving us a little <laughs> Sorry, everybody. <laughs> that was Penny's. My mom's dog is here. I just grabbed her. I'm sorry. <laughs> yes, that was shout out to Penny who was shouting out at everyone else. <laughs> yeah, it's good to think about how the gates are different from each other and how you have to balance them a little bit differently. So these I mean, great tips to think about how your horse moves and, and, and how to improve that. So then my number eight, and, th- and I'm getting to a point here and you'll see why I think these are so important. So number eight on a bent line, when the horse's inside leg naturally carries more weight, um, the horse is correctly on the outside rein because his inside hind leg can swing up and underneath. So this to me, I think is completely essential for any bending line is to know that, and this is a word I didn't learn until the L program, um, the inside hind adducts, it steps up and underneath. Horses don't shorten their inside legs to turn the way that humans do. They step up and underneath, um, you know, crossing underneath their midline for a proper turn. So, Philip, what you were saying before about the motorcycle turn, 
this is important to think about because we don't want them shortening their inside hind to kind of zoom around and go on their forehand. We want them to step up and underneath so that their body stays upright through any bending line, 20-meter circle, turning onto the diagonal, or as you get more advanced, you know, thinking about that in smaller circles and anything else that you would be doing. Yeah. And this is huge. I actually uh, was working with someone today and it's, it's a third level horse. And now actually we're going for flying changes. And this particular horse, we have been working on her leaning on the right leg since I can't remember since she was four. And it's funny now because now this is her first horse that she's trained to train to third level. She said to me, I understand why she's, she can't do that, but she needs to step under behind. And sometimes I think you have to get a little further down the journey to understand why it's so important to do that. But it's a huge deal if the horse is leaning and falling in or, and not carrying their weight. So uh, that's a great tip. And I think every, everybody really has to watch that on all your horses. Yeah, I think this is a big one. I know that Hillary was saying that this, these are these tips she goes to every day in her coaching. And this one, for sure, I'm teaching mm-hmm. about every single day on every single horse because we're teaching gymnastics and strengthening for the horse. And, and this is a very important point. If you want your horse to be strong and gymnastically flexible and to be able to do the job of dressage, to be able to move in a beautiful way, they have to be able to flex their joints, step under the body, carry weight with the hind legs. So, I mean, this is right from the horses three years old doing a 20 meter circle. We have to teach them how, you know, because from the, I was you know, actually, I was watching a horse today is uh, a horse who were just backing and the, and the rider was riding and you could see how the horse was turning and not really getting an idea of bend. And then sometimes she would do it right. And you could just see how much more beautiful and, and how much more balanced the horse was when she made a turn properly on her good side to the other side where she was using her head and her neck as kind of a rudder and falling all over the place. And, and you say, well, you know, there's dressage happening right there just for a young horse learning how to turn. I mean, I don't know what this, this horse could be to, could move on to be a jumper horse or a pleasure horse or whatever. But if we teach them these basics, they'll be easier to ride and, and they'll be happier to do their job and they'll be sounder for longer and all these great things that we talk about in dressage. So, I love this point. I think this should be number one, maybe. We'll see, we'll see what we'll see what's, see, what's next. Yes, no pressure. Yeah. Okay, so I am about to blow your mind because this <laughs> next one I think is even more important. <laughs> so um, tip number seven. Okay, half halts. And this is where, you know, sort of the heart of the article is. When I half halt, do I do it with my am I doing um, both frames, meaning, you know, the right side or the left side? or just one, um, and meaning just the outside. And this is where I think the way that he puts it in this article is very helpful. It relates to the three points that I talked about before. A right half halt affects the right hind by adding weight to it, and the same is true on the left. It's important to realize that because it explains why on figures and movements with bend, one does the half halt on the outside rein. When you're in the canter, because it's an asymmetrical gait, even if on a straight line, you do it with the outside rein. However, the trot being symmetrical, when you do a half halt, you want to have both hind legs carry, so you're going to half halt symmetrically. 
And I think that that is really important to think about because it's going to help you think about how does the biomechanics of the way my horse is traveling right now influence what I need to do that I feel that he's on the forehand or he's unbalanced or whatever. How do I half halt to get him balanced? You have to first know what is happening with the weight-bearing legs and what they're doing and how you need to half-halt before you can get the correct correction. That That is quite good, actually. I'm with you. That may that may be better than the other one. <laughs> um, yeah. I that's don't know. A, well, that's, late, later in the show, we're going to be yes. covering a little bit more of the half-halt because we had a listener question. So this ties in really awesome to this, Hillary. I'm glad you brought this up. Yeah. yeah. It'll tie in really well to our trainer tips. So listen to our total saddle fit trainer tip of the week, which is next on the show. And it really will, because we, we also talk about half halts in that. So excellent. But that's a really, really cool way to think about it. Um, I like it. Well, that's a, that's a good tip. Okay. So tip number six, I wanted to kind of go in a different direction so that we're not just talking about uh, horse biomechanics, is um, to answer the question, how do I keep my dressage students encouraged? Uh, Jennifer Roth did this as, um, you know, a Q&A for Ask the Experts. But I really liked the, the following that she says. And this is for students and instructors. It's three questions that you always want to ask yourself going into a ride. Um, what have you been working on already? How has that work been going? And what are your goals for this ride based on a logical progression of the first two answers? And I think verbalizing that tentative outline of what have you been working on? How is it going? And how am I going to, you know, progress from there is really important before you go into every ride and also important to discuss with your trainer because it's going to get you the most out of that time. No, I think that that's really good. I think every time you get on the horse, you always have to have some sort of plan on every horse. I think that's one of the things that when you take a lesson, uh, you know, I always ask for my what my riders have been working on for the week or what they want to work on. But I kind of take over the planning as a trainer. We all do. We take over the, the planning and say, okay, this is what we want to work on this week. And this is what I think this is where we need to be. And this is where. But as you get on horses every day and you ride, you really have to think, okay, what is that horse doing and what is the plan and all of that good stuff. So I think that there's a lot to be said about that. So I love it. It's a great, great way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, I think, I think I try to do this, you know, and make a plan and, and, you know, I talk to my rider and say, you know, how's it been going and, and, and uh, do exactly that. And this week we'll see how it's been going. And then I kind of, make the plan from there. So basically, you know, if they haven't really gotten the lesson from the last week and improved on that, then I think it's hard to, to move on. So I think, you know, ha the first part of the lesson is just, you know, let's look at the stuff we've been working on. How can we move on from that? And then a, a quick discussion. Okay. I think that's been going good today. I think we can progress to this next thing. Talk about that and then, and then try and achieve it or hmm, we're not quite getting it let's work on a different exercise on the same thing or let's work on this again a little bit because I think, you know, dressage is so structured on you have to achieve this and then that and then that and then that, you know, and, and on and so forth. So um, I think it's great to come in with an idea about how you want to 
teach your lesson, how you want to learn, right? And how to evaluate what you've been doing and how to move on. What's the next step for that? So I think it's, it's very, very hard. I think the first time that you teach a horse from, let's say, the first time you've ridden training level, to, you know, progressing on to first level to second, you know, if you've done that more than once, everything is so much, you know, more clear than if you're just learning it the first time. So I think there's a, a lot of, you need a, a lot of more coaching and, and help and encouragement from your coach when, when, okay, this is the first time I've ridden first level. And then you say, okay, well, we got to, you know, once you've gotten through that, you're like, oh, that's why you did that. Or that's why you did that. And then there's, you know, it's, it's a lifetime of learning. So I, I like how you have to approach each lesson in kind of the same way and, and have some structure. So that's a great tip. What's next, Hillary? Okay, so of course I had to have Suzanne Lundis on um, from her clinic, and um, this one is from a critique. She talks about creating an open back line, and um, this is a huge pet peeve of mine, and I see it all the time, and I do it too, so I, that's why I'm obsessed with it, but people riding with their head in front of the rest of their body. And um, it's something that creates a lot of tension in your shoulder area. And just in general, you're not in alignment. And it happens so often. Um, There's two ways to approach this. And one of them I've heard her say that I think is a really straightforward way is always ask yourself as you're riding and look at a video to see, you know, if this is a common problem. Think about keeping your ears over your shoulders um, so that you're keeping your head back. Um, it's very common for people who, you know, are working in a computer or they talk about that next problem that everyone has from texting all the time on their phone. This is the issue that you need to be sorting out. Um, for a clearer exercise to be solving this problem, she says to imagine a diagonal line running from your chin up to the back of your head and stretching your neck without negative tension. And with an op- a more open neck, it will be easier to straighten in the shoulder area too. And to feel the connection, put one hand on the back of your neck and bend your head forward and downward to feel the vertebra of the neck stick out. And there's a big one at the bottom, which is the lowest neck vertebra. Now lift your chin up so you can feel that this vertebra stays in place while the one above slides forward away from your fingers. And now repeat that while making, trying to make contact so that it slides back. That's what you want to feel like you're doing. You want to align your upper back so that you don't get that tension, you know, that kind of rolled shoulder look that you'll see in a lot of photos from the side of riders. You want to get everything straightened out so that it's just stacked on top of each other. That's a really good tip because I, that's actually something I personally do. So I always have to be watching that my neck is back. Um, and, and I do that. I don't, I think I'm, cause I'm like, I don't know, trying to make the horse go faster, bigger. Yeah. I don't know. You're, you're trying I to do it a little bit. You're trying yeah. to, like, let's get going. Let's, let's do get it. Going. So I have to really personally watch that significantly. Yeah, that's a super common problem. Yeah. It, so I, I really like that one cause I do that. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I do that one. So well, um, I like that I, one. I mean, yeah. When I teach, I try and tell, like if I have a rider with that issue a little bit, I tell them to put their index finger on their chin and just push their head back a little bit and see if they can. If they can mm-hmm. easily, then their head is probably leading a little bit. And if they can't, then maybe maybe they're riding better than I, than I can see. But I, you know, you just think don't don't 
kind of lead with your forehead or your chin, let your body lead a little bit. And, um, that's, that's a great tip because it's a really common issue. So yes. Good. Yeah. What's next? That's a really good one. So her other solution to this is sort of a whole tip in of itself. So I'm separating it. Um, and it's tip number four, another way to fix this that I think speaks to so many other things is imagine that the, and I love the way she says this, the rocking point of your horse is behind the saddle. So is I'm that, thinking, I know it's kind of like a Say, say that thing, again. Yes, yeah, say that again. The ro- Imagine that the rocking point of your horse is behind your saddle. So it's located behind your saddle. So here's a way that I kind of think of this, is that your horse, that instead of what you were saying before, Reese, of feeling like you want to go faster, so you're almost kind of like putting your head forward, mm-hmm. think about behind the saddle and that you're on almost, you know, a feeling of, when she says the rocking point of your horse, as you canter, for example, that what's happening is you are, you're rotating and everything, all the movement and everything is coming from behind. So instead of feeling like maybe you're cantering and it's that your horse is bounding forward with the front legs, think more about them sitting behind. And then that kind of, as I think of that, I kind of imagine you know, the back part of my back, what's behind me. It's having awareness of what's behind you. You start to kind of, I find myself bringing my head back, thinking about keeping myself, you know, nice and upright in my body. And you start thinking about, you know, when she says the rocking point, you know, the activity and also the place that everything is moving up and down is coming from behind instead. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I've never heard it. Me either. You know, kind of focus on that. But I, I mean, if you, think, if you think about it, if we could put a saddle on the horse's butt a little bit, we could be pu- pushing the horse around a little bit better, right? Because we're actually sitting in front of the the engine, in front of the PowerPoint of the horse. And so if we focus and we get everything more like, you know, we're behind it and we're pushing the horse from behind where we want it to go, the hips, then... then uh, then, then everything will go a little easier, I think. Interesting. And it's I all think different that, perspectives, right? Yeah, and I think I like to do this if I'm having difficulty. So, for example, you're talking about the flying changes. I like to think about this because it makes me, you know, in the tempi changes, sit back and think about the change coming from behind. Or like in the pirouettes, it makes you think about what's happening behind as opposed to just rotating the front around. I like to think about this a lot when she talks about this rocking point. Maybe you have, you know, a different term for it, but I like that idea of, you know, what is happening in the hind legs and how are they moving in order just to get that movement done. And that's where it is to me is why it's one of my top tips is, you know, you really always need to be saying, you know, how am I influencing the hind end versus sort of always focusing on what you can see in front of you. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, that's good. really cool. Yeah. That's really cool. It, yeah. Very cool. All right. How about our next one? Okay. So this next one seems like it's very specific, but I think again, it's an exercise that is very, um, it involves a lot of different things and it's from um, upper body conditioning for the dressage rider with Helen Fletcher. Uh, it's an unmounted exercise called the dumb waiter. 
And I often will talk about this in a different way because the exercise is very similar to um, you, you're going to stand with your feet hip bone width apart with even pressure on both feet from the base to um, your toe to your heel. Um, and then you're going to, again, gently lengthen the crown of your head, just like how Suzanne just told you. Um, activate your core muscles as we always do. Um, and then you're going to bend your knees at a slight right angle so that it mimics riding. But this is where I think that this is a thing that professionals, I think, take for granted sometimes is you're going to take your elbows and bend them at a right angle. And it should look like your palms are facing upward as if you are holding um, a lunch tray. Uh, and that's why, you know, I think they call it the dumbwaiter. So you want to feel as though you have a lunch tray or you know, some sort of tray with your hands underneath. Um, and what you want to then do is inhale to prepare. And as you exhale, um, you want to bring your arms outward uh, and keep your elbows in. And then um, you're going to bring them back. But that movement, as you return them back and then come out again and you repeat that, you're not going to squeeze your shoulder blades. It's simply feeling as though you can keep your balance as your hands can come wider and can come in. And I think this is a really important exercise to do because it allows you to feel like with relaxation, you can bring your hands in and out. And I notice a lot for my students that this is a very difficult movement. So, for example, if I ask them to take their hands a bit wider in the canter, if they don't have their balance, this is um, really hard for them to do. Uh, you know, they're just not comfortable with that movement. It's more common that when they're unstable, they'll kind of tend to cross their rein over the wither, and it's not natural for them to want to go wide like this. So I really like this exercise. It helps with things like, um, you know, if you ask for counterflexion, it allows your hands to stay wide enough so you're not doing funny things with them. Um, it's a really good way to prepare for all the second level trot work because you're comfortable kind of going wider and narrow with your arms, um, you know, as you ask for shoulder in, haunches in, stuff like that. So I think it's really applicable to a lot of different things um, and it helps you start to feel comfortable with your upper back and posture, um, which tends to get very tight or kind of twisted and stuff as you're moving up the levels. Yeah. I was just sitting here visualizing it and it's true. Like it's, it's just something where you're, where Hillary's describing, try to visualize because it definitely makes sense once you feel that. So I think it's our, I think it's our yoga move of the week. Yes. We're going to start adding true. our yoga move of the week. Well, it's, it's good. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, really good idea. I don't know it, if this is hard for people. I'm just doing it. Sorry. I was just in the moment. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Hillary, for that tip. That's awesome. What's the next one? Well, I just, before I bring that up, I just want to mention too, I think we get so focused on, you know, our core, our core, our core, getting our hips loose. I, I wanted to talk about that exercise with the head and then this with your arms and, um, you know, your upper body. Cause I think that you want to remember that you do need to have mobility there. Um, so, you know, I just want, that's why I wanted to highlight it. That's awesome. Yeah. I think that's a really key point is you have to be strong, but, but able to move, right. I see so many riders that just 
I want to sit in the perfect place, so I'm just so tense and I'm holding myself in the perfect place that I can't really ride the horse from that point, right? I mean, I think, you know, when you get yourself to the right balance, it's about being being able to be effective within within that balance, being able to move your hand a little bit here, bring your elbow back a little bit there to because in the end, like the perfect posture isn't perfect if you can't influence the horse in a really soft, flexible way. Yeah, it's a really good um, idea. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> okay. What's next? So, number two is <laughs> a really, um, really, really interesting uh, blog post from Margaret, Margaret Freeman, um, who's a, a USCF senior dressage judge and FBI competitor um, that has been started to blog for uh, DT. And this I thought was really cool. Um, I always have to talk about safety and it's why I have it at the top of the list. Um, she was talking about how she was at a show judging in the Midwest and um, a younger rider came off of her horse. And when the EMT got to her, um, he uh, went, you know, and checked her and everything. Um, but once she said she was fine, he actually took her helmet away from her. And then um, he walked out of the ring, but he, you know, was with her, but he was carrying the helmet. And I thought that was really interesting. I don't know if you guys are um, big football fans or not, if you've noticed that they all do that after that there's um, a possible head injury to an athlete on football teams um, is that they're not allowed to be put back on the field until they've been inspected for injury. Um, and also the helmet has been inspected to make sure that it's still functional. Um, but I thought this was a really interesting thing because have you guys ever seen that happen before where the EMT has taken the helmet away? No, I don't think so. I, so I'm actually on the USCF safety committee. So one of the things um, that happens is when your helmet, you can't always tell if your helmet's been damaged or not. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, re- it's a replace situation right away. Yes, because it may look okay, like the actual shell, but I have seen helmets that look absolutely perfect, and then they'll cut into them at meetings, and they're completely shot on the inside. Or dented, or or, the styrofoam is broken up. Right, because every one of the helmets has to meet a standard, the ASTM standard, and uh, all this stuff is, is, you can find it online now, uh, so I don't want to be quoted you know, that I say the wrong thing, but you have to be very careful. And I think the fact that the EMT took the helmet is good because it also says that, you know, maybe she's not ready to get back on the horse. And I think that, you know, we're all trained very quickly that we're supposed to get back on the horse. Um, And there are times where, yes, maybe from a rider standpoint, you should get back on the horse, but you really, really, really have to be careful with it. Yes. Very careful. I think more and more they're recommending like, for confidence, yeah, you know, but for safety. So I'm like, you know, as far as, you know, litigation and stuff like that, it's actually for students, like, don't get back on the horse. Don't right. use that helmet again. Replace that helmet immediately. Right. You know, that's, I mean, it's tough because we know how it is about riding and you want to not spend too much time off the horse and then think about your injury and think about the fall. And But we're learning so much about concussions and how they can, have effects you know later on like you can feel okay and then be terrible in a few hours i don't know this is going to be a tough thing because 
um, yeah, you know, definitely when we were kids and, and in past generations, you just, I mean, it's a saying, isn't it? Right. You jump back on that horse, but I don't know. I, I, I'm thinking less and less that, that that's, that's the thing to do. Well, I think the big thing is too, at least from my experience, <laughs> the, you know, zillions of concussions I've probably had. It's not funny at all. It's like so much yeah. stuff. But, but I mean, it's, yeah. um, it's, I yeah, mean yeah. if you ride horses, you're going to fall off. And if, when you yeah. fall off, you're probably going to hit your head. Yeah. And then that's what will fact, happen after that? Sport, so that's tough. Yeah. And then would you guys agree with me? It, having done this multiple times, usually what happens is I fall off. I hit my head. I'm not sure whether or not I hit my head. Because at that point, I have so much adrenaline going simply just from, you know, getting thrown off a horse that usually what I do is I jump up. I feel fantastic. I'm like pissed at the horse for doing that. And I think, oh, I need to fix their attitude. And you get right back on. And it's not necessarily from my perspective of, oh, get back on the horse or you'll be scared till later. It's more that I don't even know what planet I'm on. And so then you get back on the horse and there you have a a horse that's proven, you know, throws people off. Your helmet could possibly be, you know, crushed into a million pieces on top of your head. So now you are concussed riding a dangerous horse with a helmet that doesn't work anymore. So that's where I think, you know, this is why it's so important to me is I think that, you know, there's all the discussion, whatever, I don't want to get into about riding with one or not, but there are people with fantastic intentions that put themselves in really dangerous situations because they don't understand, um, you know, that they even necessarily hit their head before they put the helmet back on and then they're back on. So I really wanted to have this be an important thing for people to know. No, it's a really good, it's a really good tip. This is a really good point. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really good point. I mean, if I think back, I, I think I've been knocked out four times like right out and then gotten back on the horse yeah but that's yeah. just the way it, i mean that's just the way it is like you know right right know. so oh i saw people in, in europe that was you know, a really bad idea you yeah know, but yeah i, I saw I people I'm, in europe that you know would, would head first into a wall and then get back on the horse and they were in no bad helmets. shape no, no helmets. helmets i rode in europe with so. no helmet falling off bad deal yeah, bad yeah. deal. Bad news bears. Anyways, so. it's getting better, right? We're going to be safer. It is getting better. Yeah, it's getting much safer. And wear your helmets. And, and that sounds like that EMT had the right idea. Take away the yeah. helmet. You know, really do a, a, a really close inspection. Try it your best, but maybe not even get back on the horse that day. Yeah. So, yeah. are we? I think we're ready. I think that's enough on that. Maybe we yeah, go are on we ready to for uh, number our, one? our number one. Are we ready for that? Yes. So it's a still safety one. Sorry to be such a Debbie Downer with these, but it's really important to me. So the next one, this is number one, and this is something that is very near and dear to my heart. Um, When somebody falls off a horse, whether it's you and you know what's going on or somebody else falls off a horse, I cannot count the number of times that someone's like, oh, do you feel okay? Can you wiggle your hands and feet? Can you sit up? And the possibility that a person has had a back injury, which I did two years ago, and I remember laying, you know, on bluestone that I had hit really hard. I thought I was paralyzed. The pain was like taking the wind out of me. And I had people who were like, oh, take her helmet off, put something under her head, let's take her boots off. And 
meanwhile, I'm laying there getting totally worked up because everyone's trying to, you know, help me out and make me comfortable. But meanwhile, if you have a back injury, you know, they could be doing major damage. So for me, um, I really think that that is absolutely important because we have so many falls in riding is to really make sure that people know that if somebody falls off and there's a possibility that they have a back injury, that asking them to wiggle their feet is not going to do anything but put them in danger. Um, you know, they should lay there immobile, don't touch them or anything. Um, if they have been knocked unconscious, and I'm not, you know, a doctor, so obviously you guys want to talk to someone who can give you clear medical advice, and um, I would encourage everyone to take a first aid course. But the other thing, too, is if someone's been knocked unconscious, there's a possibility that they'll wake up and be, like, very frantic. So you want to calm them down and make sure that they don't try to get it up um, you know, and obviously call the paramedics if it's an injury like that. Um, but I just, I can't tell you the number of times I've seen people fall off and they're at shows and the EMT is on the way, or, you know, you're at the barn. And the first thing people want to start doing is seeing if you can sit up, moving you around, asking you if you can move around. And it's just so dangerous. Um, and the reason I bring it up is because, there was someone, he had um, a puncture to his heart. He had broken his rib and he had a puncture to his heart uh, and they asked him to sit up. And um, this was, you know, someone that uh, is a friend of someone that I teach. And as soon as they moved him, it went through and he died instantly. And if oh. they had just left him lying, um, you know, he would have been, they would have been able to check all of that stuff and stabilize it most likely. So, Please, please, please. I know it's like really <laughs> depressing stuff I'm talking about now, but that's why this is my number one is if somebody comes off a horse and there's a possibility that they have major injuries, please leave them alone and don't start wiggling them all over the place. Well, I think your tip that everybody needs to take a first aid class, I think yeah, that I is... I think that's the number one tip. That's yeah, the number sure. one tip because... Because that's what they teach you. Yep. If somebody's down... Them. Leave them down. Don't move yep. them, and let Don't the experts let the experts who trained in it, you know, take care of the safety aspect. You know, if it's at a show, I know we're involved in in schooling shows and these sort of things. You know, everybody's ride times will have to go back an hour or whatever. That doesn't matter. Leave someone alone to to lie in the ring or or just you know and be calm and let the experts do what they know how to do. Right. And being the Red Cross volunteer, I have to say, get your CPR training. If you haven't had it in 20 years, it's changed. So get it done. Yeah. Yeah. No, we were, we, funny enough, because we were talking about earlier on the show, is that I have a new crew coming in. And I had just literally yesterday, one of the things we're doing this summer is none of them have their, um, their CPR training. Mm. Zero. So I was like, okay, well, you know what? I'm just going to hire somebody to come out and just offer it as a service here at the barn. And it's just something we're yeah. going to do one night. And it can, um, be, it can be, it can be a fun barn day to get a, you know, a yes. whole group together and do CPR and do yeah. uh, a little bit of concussion training and what to do in emergencies. I think that's a, a wonderful number one tip in tribute to Yay, uh, Hillary. Dave Yay, Hillary. Thank you. Love it. Uh, does this mean Woo! you're retiring now too? <laughs> no. Uh, no. No. <laughs> no, she's not allowed to retire. We love having her on the show. <laughs> just asking. She's doing uh, No. <laughs> no, it was more it, it was more tribute. 
No, okay. All right, good. Those late night guys, that aren't a lot of them. They're retiring like every two years and then they come back the next week. So yeah, that's I'll true. retire oh, and then I'll be back months. next month. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll see. That sounds perfect. Third week of the month and you're back. We love it. <laughs> well, Hillary, as always, thank you so much. And how do our listeners find you online? So they can visit us at dressagetoday.com. And don't forget to check out uh, the blog section because as I mentioned the past couple of months, there's plenty of new bloggers there to follow. Um, they can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube and Pinterest. This tip was brought to you by Total Saddle Fit, the shoulder relief girth that Reese and Philip both love. And here's why. The Saddle Fit solution you have been waiting for is finally here. TotalSaddleFit.com is proud to introduce the shoulder relief girth. This strategically shaped girth actually moves the girth line of your saddle back over one inch, thereby freeing your horse's shoulders from the saddle. Traditional girths pull saddles up against a horse's shoulders and often over the top of the shoulders. The shoulder relief girth's recessed ends allow for the billets to buckle into the girth farther back to give your horse unparalleled freedom of motion. We are so certain that your saddle will fit better and your horse will be more comfortable that for a limited time we are offering a 30-day, 110% money-back guarantee. If you are not totally satisfied with your shoulder relief girth, send it back for a full refund plus 10% of the purchase price. Don't wait. Order now for the best saddle fit solution available. At totalsaddlefit.com. Visit totalsaddlefit.com. Well, we hope you enjoyed this episode of the Dressage Radio Show. Reese and Philip will be back on duty again next week here on the Dressage Radio Show. We look forward to having him back then. Don't forget that we have 13 shows on the Horse Radio Network. You can find them all at the app. Go to the iOS or Android App Store. Search for Horse Radio Network. Download the app. It's the simplest and easiest way to listen to all of our shows here on the network. Don't forget to check out the newest show on the network. It's Around the Track, brought to you by the Pollock Report. It's a behind-the-scenes look at the interesting characters in the world of thoroughbred racing. That's it for this week. We'll see you all next week. 